Congratulations to you all. Let's go. Here we go. Fan Morning Show, Sports F59, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Champagne celebrations for all, miniature American flags for others. Yeah, good good, good job. Was done by all. I, I just want to get this off my chest and then I'll leave it alone. I just wish baseball players just had a touch of shame about the celebrations. Mm. There, I said it. I did the hockey guy thing. I do not like it. I do not begrudge them because they all do it. But yeah, we did it falling kind of backwards in this weekend and the last few weeks of the season. But yeah, we did it. So, hey, uh, they're in. Time to move on. Time to rally. And as John Schneider said, time to time to go on a run. And then he probably said this as well into a mic somewhere. Time to drink a beer and eat a steak because he loves that one. But Benny, how are you doing on, uh, on a wonderful Monday with the Blue Jays clinched in the playoff spot? Yeah, so the Blue Jays wrap up the regular season with 89 wins. They they only end up taking two of the six games at home to wrap up the season in which three would have guaranteed their path into the postseason. Yesterday's game doesn't really count because mm-hmm. they, they, they punted on that bad boy. Yep. They, they, they started a major league journeyman who was called up to, to be cannon fodder, and in cannon fodder he was, against the Rays. So it, here's how I feel about... The way this thing wrapped up and and this season as a whole, like I'm of two minds. See, you can be disappointed in the season considering the expectations, but let me tell you something. Mm. I I was a young baseball fan in 92, 93, and all I wanted for 20 plus years was meaningful September baseball, let alone the postseason. So it's still like there's still a part of me that, yeah, I mean, there, there's the cynical like I, I've been around sports mm-hmm. my entire pro- professional career part of me. But there is that like little kid inside of me that remembers being nine mm-hmm. in 1993 and then expecting the postseason every single year, except the next time I got it, I yeah. was in my 30s. I was married and had a kid. So, yeah, it, is it kind of ridiculous to to finish well below expectations during a regular season, not exactly be overwhelming going into the postseason and celebrate with a champagne celebration uh, as only Major League Baseball does a little bit. But it, it is a long season, and they do play twice as many games as anybody else in, in pro sports. And they made the playoffs, which is something I, I remember wanting for 20-plus mm-hmm. years and never seeing. And, and now it's, if not routine, it's it's a little more routine. Yeah, it's the it's the norm. It is the bare minimum expectation for this iteration of of Jays baseball. You know, you go back to the little bit of a swoon period between what was in 15 and 16, but we're firmly out of that now. This is the floor for what is acceptable for this kind of Jays core. We had all these conversations about what was to be expected, the consequences of what what will or what could have happened if they would have missed out. And guess what? We get to punt on all those for at least three more days because they found a way and they got in and perhaps most importantly, and I'm not giving them any credit for this because they couldn't take care of it on Saturday, but you did not have to burn Kevin Gosman on Sunday. Thank God. Yeah. And we'll get into Kevin Gosman and the weird splits that he has against the Minnesota twins in general. Um, Saturday did have a chance to be a real moment. I was there. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking of you, bud. It was my kid's eighth birthday. It was great. They were down on the field, him and a couple buds for uh, batting practice, which was awesome. Got, got some autographs and, and it, it, they came back. Father, and, I'll say it. You're fishing for it. Father of the year yeah. over here. Look at you. I, I was, yeah, waiting for you to say that. Thank you for saying no problem. the thing that's obvious and oh, true. Yeah, very true. Um, and it, that could have really just been a capper on 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 a season that was disappointing but ended in spectacular fashion. Maybe walking off the oh, Rays and then having imagine? a celebration on the field, taking care of your own business. But in that scenario, maybe you are playing the Rays. And I know I, I made... The, the the sell the hard sell on the Rays maybe being the better matchup uh for the Blue Jays. They finished twenty one and thirty one against the American League East. I gotta be honest with you, despite <laughs> the fact that it was it was it was always on the table, a, a first round matchup against the Minnesota Twins, I never really considered it because I did think with these games against a Rays team that was home and cooled out that they'd be able to win a bunch of them. By which I mean all of them, yep. and, and secure their their spot as the second American League wild card instead, finishing as the bottom wild card. And I think on the surface, like a, a number of weeks ago, if you would ask me, 
hey, what do you prefer the Blue Jays do? Or what's the easiest path to contention here? Probably going to play the team that played 20 fewer games against teams with records above 500. Yeah, and the in the Twins, and I think the I think the reason the Rays are extra scary, and we've laid it out, and you actually pointed out it's not the case. The House of Horrors, or maybe not that the Trop is. There's just so many memories there. The Twins just feel like such a complete blank slate heading into things. I mean, I know they've had moments, but if you ask most baseball fans in this city, go ahead and think of all of the Twins postseason moments you can think of. Like, uh, I don't know, Kirby Puckett, maybe Justin Morneau. Was he poking around? Like, it's, it is not tip of the tongue. It is not front of mind. These well, are not Jack Morris yep. in 91. Uh, and yeah, the, one of the greatest games ever pitched. Yeah, 91. And then, exactly. Yeah. This is my point is people, this is not when you could just close your eyes and think of playoffs in the ALE or the American League for the last, I don't know, half decade. It's the Rangers. It's the Astros. Occasionally the Red Sox or the Yankees. One of those two, almost certainly. It's not the Twins. So I think that's the kind of uneasy nature there is with a lot of people and, and the way they kind of head into this series because it's just not something you were preparing for or expecting because we were so focused on the wild card teams as well it just really was something that was kind of because they were so home and cool that was just this kind of afterthought almost yeah uh you know why you don't think of the twins recent postseason history mm. because they've lost a major league baseball record 18 consecutive <laughs> postseason games which is like it's almost impossible oh, no, to do that that, that means do you know how they're so do they're th- so do I'd be lying if I didn't think about the fact that they are actually do like that. Yeah, that that's they're not gonna go oh and a hundred, are they? I mean, could they could they go oh and twenty? I, I guess the the Blue Jays are hoping so. But yeah, thirteen of those games they'd settle for one and twenty gladly. Thirteen of those losses of the eighteen consecutive against the New York Yankees. It always felt like those two matched <laughs> yes. up, and it didn't matter what kind of a regular season the Twins had compared to the Yankees. The Yankees just just crushed them up into a fine powder. Mm-hmm. And part of that is, I just, I, I kind of alluded, I, mm-hmm. I mentioned it, but just kind of threw it in there. But this deserves repeating. Okay, the Twins were above 500, barely so, but uh, above 500 against teams with winning records this season. Blue Jays were slightly below 500 against teams with winning records. The difference is the Blue Jays played almost an entire more month of baseball <laughs> against teams with winning records. 20 more games than the Minnesota Twins who played in that woeful American League Central where there's tomato can after tomato can after tomato can and like the Guardians gave a little push when Mm -hmm. nobody thought they would at at the deadline by, you know, acquiring talent when they could have just absolutely punted away the rest of the season that totally blew up in their face and all the guys that they acquired were back on waivers within weeks. But like it was nothing but... 13 games against also ran, against also ran, against also ran, against also ran, which is, okay, That that's how they built their regular season record and a lot of stress-free baseball for that Twins team. It doesn't mean anything going into game one tomorrow in Minnesota, but it does, it, it, it's, a, it's a really interesting data point when you compare these two baseball teams. One, playing in a division, the Blue Jays, where there are three playoff teams and the top team, the the top seed in the American League and the other, again, playing with literally at least three, if not four other teams that are just an absolute abominations of baseball teams. Yeah, there's that part of it that they, and it's, you know, we always talk about sample size in baseball. That is when we're talking about a one season sample size, 20 games is a pretty healthy margin there for you to actually look at the difference there. The other, the other part of it as well with the twins, and you mentioned the idea of them being home and cooled, whereas the Jays had to play all these kind of must wins or must win a lot ofs anyways down the stretches. What is that do to a team right or are the twins able to rest up and get right of course they are but they've also been out of the feel of must win games and playoffs games and what do we always talk about in baseball is the team just needs to get hot now the twins actually uh, have been producing a little bit as of late despite all the injuries they've had so it's not to say they haven't been hot but there's such a different feel in doing that in okay this is game 158 and in in a week from now the playoffs are going to start and this at bat and the grand scheme of things does not matter at all versus everything the Jays have been going through. So it's it's the it's basically the rest versus rust thing, mm-hmm. except the Twins aren't 
as rested because they've been playing games the whole time. Yeah, and the the Twins finished the regular season off strong. Um, they they had a forty two and twenty eight record in the second half, yeah, and then eight, good. eighteen and nine in September. Again, tomato cans after tomato cans, yeah. and the Blue Jays faced their own tomato cans too. Took care of the Red Sox right after mm-hmm. getting swept by the Rangers. Took care of a Red Sox team that was pretty home and cooled out, and did. You know, some pretty good work in Colorado, yep. uh, in Oakland against the the Kansas City Royals. So everybody does play the same teams. It's just the 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 Twins played a lot more of the crappy teams yep. than the Blue Jays did. For for those who maybe are not as well versed in the Twins as as people from Minnesota, and you know what, there's probably a lot of people from Minnesota who are not that well versed in the Twins, if we're being honest. Is it Larry Lopez, the game two starter? Is that it? Yeah, Pablo Lopez is definitely going to start game one. He's had a tremendous, tremendous season. Um, So this is what the Twins are about. They're about hitting home runs. They actually lead the American League in home runs. They're only 21st in average, but they're 7th in OPS on the strength of of all those home runs. And the pitching, you know, you want to compare... The two staffs and Mm -hmm. the Blue Jays, that being their major strength, which it absolutely is, Blue Jays have uh, a better ERA, but only slightly so. Twins are sixth in all of baseball in ERA, and they are first in pitcher strikeouts. They have some tremendous players. The problem they're dealing with now, as you mentioned it, a a couple of injuries to some pretty significant players, and, and you want to talk about maybe George Springer's playoff uh, history or Brandon Belt's playoff history. Carlos Correa has pretty good playoff history as well. Problem for him is that, well, one, when he was healthy, he wasn't having a great season Mm -hmm. with an OPS, just barely over 700. And right now he's dealing with plantar fasciitis. So he didn't finish the regular season healthy with the Twins. And Royce Lewis, one of the the best up-and-coming rookies, um, he was also injured down the stretch. There's no minor league season. So those guys like haven't seen live pitching in, in now weeks. So that could be a major question mark, but the idea, so like I'm of two minds here. One is that blue Jays clearly more battle tested and their record. You kind of have, it's not fair to just compare apples to apples, 89 wins to 87 Mm -hmm. because of the, the strength of schedule for the blue Jays, but also don't discount the twins entirely as I don't imagine anybody's doing, but that is, that's a twins team they can hit the ball out of the ballpark. They can pitch. And then they got, I got, they got a guy at the back of the bullpen and Yohan Duran, who maybe the Blue Jays remember in his outings against the Blue Jays this season, who throws 103. For my money, Duran, and this is uh, this is just a Brett Gutting stat, uh, not confirmed, but for my money, he might be the actual nastiest reliever in baseball. Like, we have a lot of like, oh, what about Jordan Hicks and his mm-hmm. ability to run it up? And hey, he's very much in the conversation, but Duran absolutely oh, is. The yeah. things he can do with cut and move, it is nasty, nasty, nasty. You know, uh, I was looking at the Sportsnet preview piece, and they, they threw up some of the war numbers there as well. I mean, you, you know, we talk about Lopez. You look at Sonny Gray, his, his uh, war stacks up pretty pretty well with forget about Barrios in game two. It stacks up pretty close to what Lopez and Gosman ha- have done this season. So I think that's the other part of it as well is that the Jays w- should have expected to have a pretty handily uh, advantage in starting pitching. That's not going to be the case. Not to say they can't have better starts. Of course, Gosman's capable of going head to toe or toe to toe with anybody. Same with Barrios, but it's far from a certainty. And it's a team that's kind of doing it with a similar recipe to you, but with power. Yeah. I think that's the that just the way you laid that out. It and look, I don't want to be defeatist. This is a this easily could go the Blue Jays' way. But if it is a team with a shutdown guy at the end of a pen, great starters, but they can hit the ball out of the park, and mm-hmm. that's what's the difference, Whew, that is going to lead to some very, very tough questions uh, in three or four days. Yeah, it's a good, hey, listen, if you're not going to, to hit for a high average, you better hit the ball out of the ballpark. The Minnesota Twins have done that. Blue Jays, not so much. Yeah, so the Twins have hit the, the what, third most home runs in all of baseball, most in the American League. The Blue Jays are 16th in baseball in home runs, Hit So Blue Jays, despite the fact they lost on Saturday, didn't have to start Kevin Gossman in game 162. Massive. I mean, they could have started him to maybe avoid the Twins, um, but they, they they weren't interested in, in doing anything outside of resting the guys they had to start on Sunday, which makes a ton which of sense. Which is the right play. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Even though, <laughs> even though, and we'll talk to Joe Siddle after 8 o'clock about this, even though, 
The Twins are weirdly Kevin Gossman's bugaboo. Mm. 635 ERA against the Twins, second highest against any team. He has a worse record uh, or worse ERA against the Cincinnati Reds, but he has way fewer starts against them, way smaller sample. So in two starts against the Twins this season, so this is actually, the Blue Jays played the Twins um, twice this year, obviously. You play everybody in the American League twice, home and away. They were 3-3 three and three against them. They won 2-3 out of three on the road in Minnesota. Uh, they lost 2-3 of three at home against the Twins. The series they won on the road actually came after that May swoon where they went 2-9 mm. and nine against the American League East and the sky was falling. Remember that? The sky uh, was... Uh, there have been a lot of sky is falling moments this year. Yeah, it was the first year, time so, the okay. sky fell. Okay. Okay? It was skyfall. Skyfall. Uh, back in May. Daniel Craig. Yeah. <laughs> so in, in Gossman's first start against the Twins in Minnesota... It was okay. Gave up one earned run over five and a third, eight strikeouts. Did have five walks, which is not very Gossman-esque. And then came back for the return engagement against the Twins. Six earned runs in four and two-thirds with four walks. There's been, like, some whispers around people who are smart about this thing. And, again, we'll talk to Joe Siddle, who's very smart, mm-hmm. a former major league catcher, so, so he would know he'd be able to pick up on these things, that the Twins have some sort of tell on the splitter, which would indicate the walks too, that they just they do not wave nearly as often as other teams at the splitter that is outside of the zone. That's 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 lower than the bottom of the strike zone. So I would, you, Kevin Gossman. There's no debate. He's starting in game one tomorrow. But it is weird that this guy who's had tremendous success against so many teams in Major League Baseball. This is about the worst matchup you can have as far as career record is concerned. Yeah, and I, I, I had forgot about this until you brought it up now, and then I did remember watching that game, and it was just from the jump. Like, this wasn't something that developed in the fourth or fifth inning. It was pretty clear early on, they're just not going to swing at the splitter. And, you know, Kevin Gosman is a gamer. He has more weapons in his arsenal than just that. We talk about the splitter so much. I think sometimes we talk about him almost like he's a one-pitch guy. Like, hey, I'm just going to come in and split, split, split. From no. 97, yeah. too. Like, he he has weapons at his disposal. And the thing we love about Gosman and the thing he has proved this year the most that separates him from the other good starters on this Jays staff is that even when he's not at his best, he's able to find a way. He's able to formulate some form of a plan. But... That is extremely concerning that they have proven this. And, you know, this is more anecdotal when I'm going off here, but we have seen this a few times. The Twins game is the one that most obviously sticks out right now because we're thinking of it. But the times that Gosman has struggled, you've seen the occasional team just be able to say, no, we're not swinging at splitters. If he's going to clip the bottom of the zone with it, great. Yeah. But that's a really tough thing to do. And, you know, maybe we'll talk about this with the Votto thing later on today, but it's so dependent on the zone you're going to get that day. If you have an ump that's going to give you a little wiggle room at the bottom of a zone that day, that probably bodes really well for Gosman, and the Twins aren't going to be able to just spit at that splitter and say, no, throw it for a strike. But if you have a tight, tight zone or you're not getting calls down there, that could really, I mean, that that is a that is a serious, serious concern for me. Yeah, it's not, it's not ideal. Um, again, he's your ace. He's been your ace ever since he put pen to paper on that long-term deal with the Blue Jays, but it's just, it's weird how some guys, I don't know if it's just, he looks at the uniform. There's something mesmerizing about the, the weird pinstripe. He's had a haircut. Maybe they look at him and they're like, Oh, those beautiful locks. <laughs> um, so on the other side, Pablo Lopez had a tremendous, tremendous first season in Minnesota, but the Blue Jays faced him once this season as well. Touched him up a little bit, four and runs over five and two thirds for Pablo Lopez gave up a couple of home runs in that series in Minnesota to the Blue Jays. There's also some uh, Canadian content here. As you may recall from the World Baseball Classic, Edouard Julien kind of made his presence known on, on, on the Major League Baseball stage. He's been great. For uh, for the Twins in uh, 109 games during the regular season, had a 381 on base percentage with 16 strikeouts. Um, I think one of the, the major... Quickly on him, uh, yeah. four homers in his last 15 games. Yeah. Like, it's not just a, no, he's been great good. this year. He's yeah. great right now. Oh, and two in his last seven. So this isn't even a, like, eh, a couple weeks ago thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm interested also to talk to Joe Siddle about how the, the bullpen matches up against these Blue Jays hitters. The Blue Jays are obviously going to throw a bunch of lefties in there, and I, I gotta assume that Kevin Biggio is starting at second base, and it's not Whit Merrifield. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Dalton Varsho actually finished the season pretty strong offensively. So you start him in left field, and obviously Kevin Kiermaier in center, and Brandon mm-hmm. Belt, you don't want to talk about finishing. I think the Blue Jays are going to have Four lefties in the lineup. Now the Twins are going to carry 
two lefty relievers. What's going to be curious to me is how they deploy their pinch hitters in situations where you get a lefty on lefty matchup, maybe against a Kevin or a, a, a Kevin Biggio or a Dalton Varsho mm-hmm. or to a lesser extent, a Brandon Belt or Kevin Kiermaier. Davis Schneider got off his 0 for 30 Schneid mm-hmm. as well. I mean, that's again, the benefit of of not having to play a meaningful nine yeah. inning baseball game on Sundays. You can get some guys the licks he wants. <laughs> into the lineup. Um, that that hadn't started for a while, including David Schneider, who had a walk and a couple of doubles in that game. I mean, is he the guy that you pinch hit? Is it Whit Merrifield with his experience in Major League Baseball? Is it Santiago Espinal, who is like underratedly performed, especially pinch hitting? Second half of the season, a lot of ins, a lot of outs, a lot of what have you. Oh, those conversations are so fun because unlike, and I don't know, feel free to tell me I'm wrong. It wouldn't be the first time for it. It'd be the first time I actually just took it and said, okay, I'm wrong and didn't argue back. But feel free to tell me I'm wrong. Is that, you know, with a bullpen, it feels like, you know, sometimes at splitting hairs, this guy or that guy, but generally speaking, it's a somewhat clear decision on what should happen. With a pinch hitter, yeah. it very much is. Well, six dozen to one. I like the gleam in his eye. Like, yes, you have numbers. Yes, yeah. you have profiles against guys, but you're effectively swapping. It's just the right-left thing. And the 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 room for second-guessing or victory laps being given to a guy based on the decision he makes in those spots, it is going to be fascinating, fascinating to see. And then when do you... When do you pull the trigger on it? You know, because of the second lefty there, if you do it early in the game, are you setting yourself up? And yeah, it's just, it's really interesting to see. Yeah. And situationally, like maybe if you're looking to make contact, you might, you might send an, an Aspinall or a Merrifield to play. Mm-hmm. If you're looking to hit a ball out of the ballpark, maybe it's a Davis Schneider situation. Yeah. It's, it, the, the potential for intrigue very much exists. Of course, I'm assuming Davis Schneider's on the postseason roster, which I can't imagine a scenario in which I also not. saw they let uh, they let young Cam Eden hold a bat. First it's, major league base hit. What, what what got into them? I guess it's just it's the weekend. Everything doesn't matter anymore. But yeah, we were uh, we were talking about how unlikely. I mean, I know it doesn't matter, and that's why they let him do it. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was uh, it was very nice of them well, to to let him touch the wood. And even even yesterday, after the base hit, almost uh, attempted his first stolen base of. Uh, of his major league career, except, you know, when Merrifield struck out um, <laughs> with two outs. But yeah, I, I, I like I, it. I, I, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I wondered if, um, and he said this, I guess, explicitly to Hazel May before the game that, hey, yeah, I would like to actually try and steal a base in the major leagues before I tried in the postseason. Didn't get the opportunity. Hmm. I can almost guarantee you that, uh, well, as long as the games are close, that Cam Eden's going to end up in a baseball game either Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, if the, the series extends that far where he's going to be asked to steal a base, his first ever stolen base attempt in the Major Leagues of Baseball, and it's going to come in the postseason. So I'm with uh, Cam Eden on if you're going to be asked to do it in, oh, I don't know, just a huge moment because that's the only time you'd do it. You're not going to do it just for funsies. You're going to have to put him in when you absolutely need to get a run across. You need to get a guy on and into scoring position, yada, yada, yada. Obviously, it'd be better for his comfort, the fact that he's saying it, to have given him the opportunity to do that in the game. But I like the idea of this being like the creature that we have not seen yet. We see him lurking around. We've seen him run. And we saw it, you know, a glimpse of it, Merrifield strikeout, I understand. But I like the idea of this, like, mythological beast. It's like, oh, the fast Cam Eden, he could swipe a bag at any second. Has he done it? No, doesn't even need to. Just trust us, he could do it. Like, it, it, just for the for the sake of playoff lore, I love the idea that his first one, yeah. will, if don't he does spoil it, will it. come. Exactly. Yeah. No, I don't. It's like, you know, watching the trailer Our of a movie. Right in there. I was yeah. just going to say that. You know, I, I, I want to see Killers of the Flower Moon. I haven't really... Paid attention to the trailers too much. I don't want it. I don't want it spoiled. That's yeah, Cam Eden just stuff. Quickly on that, our schedule has never been more perfect uh, for me to go sit in a dark room by myself for three hours in the middle of the day. Like morning show is perfect. For have this. you done that? No, no. I'm saying. Oh. I'm just saying though. I'm not a, <laughs> just saying. I, I have to really. I have to really want to see a movie to see to see a movie, and that one I do. So I will happen for that. But right. summer blockbusters were good. Uh, there's there's a lot of J's to get to. The last thing I want to do here before we take the break and talk a little NFL. Um, is Saturday was also intriguing because of the bullpen deployment. Mm-hmm. And it was a tie game, so it was not a safe situation. But we did see, and I know John Schneider said it was matchup dependent, mm-hmm. 
-hmm. We saw Jordan Romano in the eighth, and we saw Jordan Hicks in the ninth. Oh, yes. So so both guys threw scoreless half innings until Jordan Hicks was asked to pitch a second inning and then for some reason decided Rymel Tapia was not worthy of a strike uh, and started the unraveling with two outs yeah. in, in that half inning. But I wonder, I mean, this is something we've been we've been debating, and Romano had, well, he ends his streak of two consecutive outings, yes. uh, allowing at least a run with Can't a scoreless. Can't overstate how big that is, by the way. Yeah, with a scoreless outing against a Rays team that was pretty representative on Saturday. But I, I can't help but look at that decision, despite what John Schneider's telling you mm -hmm. with the matchups favoring Hicks in the ninth because of where they were in the order. I look at eighth, I look at ninth. These guys are such creatures of habit. I, I, I just, I can't help but think that, boy, it's not a guarantee that in a safe situation in the ninth inning, it's Jordan Romano stepping out there. No, it's not. And they wouldn't have done that, you know, by accident. This has all been part of a plan. They would have thought of this. I don't think just in the moment they're like, <laughs> oh, man, we forgot to get Hicks hot. Okay, Jordo's always ready. Let's get him out there. No, this was obviously well thought out and part of a plan. The one thing I'll say about Hicks, though, is that you know, he's been pretty unflappable for the most part, but that was the version of him that should terrify you is just the complete inability to throw a strike to a guy who he should be able to knock the bat mm -hmm. clean out of his hands. Just throw 102 down the gut. That's what you should be doing to Tapia. And that is the thing about Hicks that will, you know, for all Romano and all the blowups he's had, that's not where he gets bit. He usually gets hit, which I don't know if you feel better or worse about that. Both are really bad from a closer perspective, but that is the thing about Hicks. That was the version of him that I think should give people some pause. We we act like because he hasn't been put in the spots Romano has been put in, because he hasn't been treated like the closer, that he's infallible. And yeah, if he's in the zone, he pretty much is. But the the walks are just so concerning, and that was that was the, I mean, obviously most recent, it was literally the last game of the season, but just uh, something that uh, was making me feel a touch uneasy heading into the postseason. Yeah, this is a guy that will certainly in his Cardinals tenure this season, the walks were an issue. He actually cut down on the walks pretty significantly. Well, that's what I mean. People, it was like, people was like, well, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Man, that was in St. Louis. He doesn't walk anybody here, right. which he hasn't, but we're just going to pretend that a, what, a six-week sample size of somebody is their baseball life? I know no, you're not. No, no. I know you, of all people, would never do that, Ben. You know what's more representative than the 24 innings he pitched for the Blue Jays where the walks per nine were three? I would say it is the 243 and a third career innings that he's pitched where the walks <laughs> per nine is almost five. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so, yes, he is a guy that has been – Throughout the course of his career, a little more wild than we saw in Toronto. He's also a guy, though, that that struck out a bunch more uh, per nine than we saw as a member of the Blue Jays. He was actually pitching more to contact yeah. with the Jays, where the strikeouts per nine were What's actually that under Pete Walker up to. <laughs> was under nine. Maybe I get it considering how, how well the Blue Jays play defense. But yeah, but you got a guy that throws 103. It's actually not the 103 that he strikes people out with either. No. It's, it's people are gearing up for the 103 and then he throws the sweeper. Um, I think you're, you're pretty, I, I think it's hard to make a bad decision, honestly, between the two. I think they, they're both very capable relievers. I do think whoever's hot is, is kind of it, it's important because we're in the postseason and now. Mean, it's not the mean large sample. You in terms sample. of performance, not literally warm in, in no. the moment in the game. Yes. No, not who's the sweatiest. No, yeah. I don't mean that. I mean, yeah, if, if you're going great right now, if, say, Jordan Hicks had stepped out on Saturday in the ninth inning, shut the Rays down in the ninth, and then again shut them down in the tenth with a runner starting at second base and none out and threw, yeah, 30 pitches and struck out five, even as... Jordan Romano returned to a scoreless form in the eighth inning. I would have had a stronger take that he is the closer du jour for the Blue Jays to start the postseason. He didn't. So I could kind of, and it doesn't mean that he stinks and it doesn't mean that Jordan Romano's back, but I, I think you, you stay according to Hoyle there. And I, if it were me and there was a save situation tomorrow, I, I would have Jordan Romano in the ninth inning. That that's the answer because it was you just nailed it out exactly. Hicks had the opportunity. Maybe one opportunity should not have been enough to steal Romano's job, but it wouldn't have just been that. It would have been everything that we saw from Romano in the two outings leading up to the one that we we saw over the weekend there. So I think you have to go unless you have 
and they would have data on all of this. You know, we've talked how many times we had conversations about Vladdy. You know, the second it gets above 100 and it's in, you just can't do anything with it. If you have data on twins hitters that say there is a run of them three four of them in a row and obviously you know i would imagine the twins would try to not set it up so perfectly for the jays but unless the data that way dictates that it has to be hicks which i can't imagine being the case i think you do have to go to romano because he had the bounce back if he didn't then i think it's a complete toss up and i honestly don't know which way to go but we don't have to live in that world because he got right yeah, he did. Um, the weather's right in Minneapolis right now, which mm. is ooh, it's no guarantee in October in Toronto or Minneapolis. Difference is Toronto has a roof over its stadium. They, I've heard. They, they don't. I've even seen it. They, they don't at Target Field. So tomorrow is going to be like beautiful, although maybe not sunny. But 29 degrees. I don't think there's any rain in the forecast. 21 on Wednesday. Thursday it starts to get a little dicier mm-hmm. as we dip below 20 degrees. And beyond that, it's it's it turns into true fall weather in Minneapolis, but the idea that you're going to step into a bizarre atmospheric environment mm-hmm. in Minnesota doesn't, doesn't really feel like. It feels like the Blue Jays are going to be pretty comfortable, at least weather-wise. Yeah, they're, uh, you know, I know I'm going to sound like a, something I'm not qualified to be, a meteorologist here, with the cold front that seems to be coming oh in Friday. God, I, I mean, look, it is. It it's drops to All like right. a high of 11 degrees. There's a 35% yeah. now with Austin Matthews. There's a 34% <laughs> chance of rain there. Yeah. If that starts to, I mean, look, you know. Mm-hmm. You're up in the clouds. You've flown in planes before. This yeah. stuff's moving around. If it starts <laughs> to blow, stuff is it's, moving if it starts, around. If it starts to blow in a little <laughs> earlier, me personally, no. I'd love a little cold Dude. bluster. I, actually, oh. no, I take it back. I take it back. I want them to earn it. I want them to win this series and then go earn blustery playoff <laughs> baseball somewhere else. <laughs> All right. Maybe in Baltimore. Uh, that would come in the American League Championship Series. Yeah, by though. the way, Batista. Oof. Yeah, that's rough. Missing him uh, for the entirety of the postseason, considering he was not just uh, having a great year individually for the Baltimore Orioles. He was having one of the best relief seasons mm-hmm. yeah. in the history of the postseason. The other thing is, yeah, last long. Again, we're going to break down the Blue Jays' lots today and then tomorrow as well as we get you set. Oh, we're, we're extending an hour. They just can't get enough of us tomorrow. <laughs> we're on until 10 o'clock I tomorrow. Wasn't, I wasn't ready to confirm that until I argued with our bosses about <laughs> it. Uh, 4.30 first pitch, uh, game one. But, yeah, the the Blue Jays get the Twins. They don't get their American League East foe, who they've seen six times over the last two weeks in the Tampa Bay Rays in this wild card round. They also avoid that side of the bracket Mm. entirely until the American League Championship Series. The Astros, with how poorly they played at times down the stretch, including losing seven of nine to the Royals and A's in September, won the American League West and and don't have to play in the wild card round is so stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, so they're they're in the Blue Jays side of the bracket and it is the Orioles on the other side of the bracket. There's no reseeding in the baseball postseason. So you get the twins. Do you like that or do you not? I I, got to say it's a little strange. I I honestly, and I I was going to talk to Robert Flores later on about the, the format in general, I, mm-hmm. I do think it's bizarre that the Blue Jays obviously have the tougher schedule playing the tougher division, have a better record than the Twins. They go on the road for these three games just because the Twins won a horrible division. Like, it's fine. You can give the Twins a postseason berth mm-hmm. for winning a terrible division because, you know, things yep. do rotate around uh, year after year, decade, except for that division is yeah, always, yeah. always horrible. But in theory, that it's supposed to <laughs> rotate around. But how about like they just get in? Like they they don't. Why do they hmm. they get in? Also get the 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 top seed of the wild card. It's teams. not it's not fair. But but what? divisions matter in baseball. They just sure. do arguably they more get, than any. They get in into the, the playoffs. They yeah, get in. I don't know. I'm of two minds. Like I like in fairness' sake, you're a hundred percent right. But it is a sport that is so regional and so you only care about yeah. your own league and really your own division and you only care about the league for the last two weeks of it. I, It's not fair, but I do think it's right for what this sport values, like the morals that baseball holds. They love I, their divisions, man. Brent, I'm with you. The divisions matter. Twins get in. <laughs> why, why, the, why? They get in and they, they get like... 
what they get to be treated like kings as well? How about you you get invited uh, they to get the treated dance? like princes. They didn't get a bye. They get a home. They're not kings. They're like a prince, I'd say. Well, this this the whole point of this wild card <laughs> round was supposed to be outsized uh importance to finish it in either as the last division winner or the top wild card because you get all the games at home, which mm-hmm. didn't work out for the Blue Jays no. last season as I, I mentioned. Was say, how uh, that was great, right? Yeah. And as I mentioned, and it would have been week, great if they were home this weekend or this uh, week. Uh, maybe. We'll, we'll talk about that yeah. as well. But yeah, it, also this is a, a season in which the home team has really not benefited very much at all mm-hmm. um, to home field advantage. Anyways, besides the point, Blue Jays <laughs> going to Minnesota. And uh, I'll outline some reasons as to why I think that actually might be beneficial for them uh, later on in the program as well. But when we come back, mm. it turns out Buffalo Bills are better than the Denver Broncos. Just ask the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> Uh, We'll get to that more next. As the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. In-depth Blue Jays coverage with an analytical twist. Jays Talk Plus with Blake Murphy. Be sure to subscribe and download Jays Talk on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. everybody off the scent a little bit week one loss yep walk off smart to the jets um because they've looked like a jugger freaking knot in the proceeding three games including the marquee game of the season to this point yesterday against their afc east rivals the dolphins putting a hurting on the dolphins to the tune of a 48 to 20 win josh allen spectacular not a turnover to be found. Four touchdowns, 21 to 25, a perfect passer rating, 158.3, 320 yards. And two was fine. Not as good as Josh Allen, though. And all of a sudden, uh, both teams are three and one. And yeah, I know that the Chiefs eventually pulled off the victory against well, Zach Wilson that was kind of looking Aaron Rodgers-esque in the second half until some he Some moments. There were some moments. Until he fumbled the football. But all of a sudden, especially with the Joe Burrow situation in Cincinnati, how are you not looking at the Bills as the favorite to come out of the AFC right now? Uh, yeah, if we're, if we're just going to make this about the Bills and talking about them, I think that they have looked incredibly impressive. Uh, obviously, massive injury news coming out of that game. Yeah. Tredavious White, I mean, you feel awful for him. The second that every football person within a millisecond of seeing the injury goes, oh, that, that's terrible. You're not playing again anytime soon. Especially considering the recent history yeah. of injury. Yeah. You, you feel awful. And then, I mean, not to, well, I guess I'm about to, so I can't say not to, but you just see the <laughs> terrible, terrible injury history of recent vintage that that team has had. And it's just like, do we have to go through this again? We finally feel like you're rolling and all of a sudden a marquee, marquee piece of your defense who gives you something that no one can replace on that defense is out. So I think that you, you got to look at the bills as seeing what version their de- what, what is their defense going to look like when they come out on the other side of it in terms of what they've done, they've simply taken care of business. that was put in front of them. I will say that last night's game or yesterday afternoon's game made me feel more that the Dolphins are frauds, then yeah. the Bills are world beaters. That's <laughs> be, the can, problem. Can it be both? Uh, so just for context here, the Bills become the sixth team in NFL history to score 135 or more points and allow fewer than 60 in their first four games. Each of the previous five went on to play in that year's Super Bowl. But yeah, the, the Dolphins just put 70 points on a Broncos team that turned the Chicago Bears and Justin Fields into... Um, prime Peyton Manning. So like, <laughs> and eventually they escape with it. And then, you know, they, they start the season off with a hard fought entertaining as hell win against a Chargers team who also mm-hmm. plays no defense. Yeah. And they did enough to beat the Patriots. And it, it, yeah, again, two things can be true. The Dolphins are great and they have a great offense and they got guys that are the fastest in the NFL and Tua when he's healthy can put the ball in places for those guys to uh, use the skills and the speed that they have. But yeah, maybe not going to score 70 points each week. And maybe anybody that plays the Broncos or the Chargers defense 
for that matter, should should take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, definitely. I think you you have to do that. And then, but on the flip side, you know, I just pull up the wins the Bills have had because I want to be fair to them. And you know, I feel very differently about the win, the beatdown they had of the Commanders last week. Sorry to our man Andrew behind the glass today, big Commanders fan. Sorry to him. The I, uh, absolute beatdown that the Bills <laughs> put on them. And I said last week, okay, great, you yeah. beat up the Commanders and Sam Howell. But then the Commanders and Sam Howell took yeah. the Eagles right to the brink yesterday. They sure did. Including a comeback touchdown drive Dude, at the end of that game. How did they not go for two there? Riverboat, Ron River, Rivera. That's the whole thing. You're a bad team that oh, maybe an okay team that is in a game against yeah. a Super Bowl contender. Right. Go for the kill shot. <laughs> there is no loser point in football. Dude, you know, yeah. It, I don't always agree with with going for two in that situation if there's like a minute left and it you yes. know you go go for two and it gives you the lead but it also incentivizes the other team upon receiving the kickoff to just kick a field goal to win it yeah. instead of going to overtime there's when there's no time on the clock I know and it's literally you you convert and the the football game is over. Everybody gets to go home and congratulate each other. And also, your head coach is literally named Riverboat yeah. Ron Rivera because of his propensity <laughs> to take risky decisions. I, I that was well, mind bending. Let's just workshop through because hey, like coaches love probabilities and what is going to make the most sense. What do you think is more likely to convert one? Fourth and two, mm. which is what that uh, two-point convert would effectively be. <laughs> right. Or to guess right, win the coin toss, right. receive the kick, right. march down the field <laughs> on the Eagles defense after you just <laughs> did that on them. <laughs> yeah. And then if that doesn't happen, then you have to stop the Eagles. What's why, why would just one play on fourth and two not be more likely than all of those other things? And I get it. It's the Eagles. That's not, and it's not like you just go, ah, we'll just run it. Where No, you're not going to do that on the Eagles. But you have to, it, you're just so much more likely to win in that one moment there. The converse conversation is, you know, it was unlikely, like going toe-to-toe with this Eagles team through four quarters. Yeah. Let, let's go for a fifth. We let's should do try it again. It's <laughs> sewing so well for us. Yeah. Um, no, that was that was absolutely mind-bending. Um, but then on, on the other, like, just dumbfounding coaching decisions in general. The Eagles had the chance to, and I get it's a little bit of ignorance of where the Eagles, they had a chance to bleed that clock down to zero and just kick the field goal mm. before they even scored to go up by the touchdown that the commanders then answered from. So just really, really weird and fun end to that game. And uh, God, the NFL, it's just the best. Every time the week is shaping up, are you going, I don't know, what's our yeah. like, what's our marquee game? None of these have really delivered yet. Boom, you get that. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah so and e- good. even the Sunday nighter, which, I mean, we're all going to tune into because of the Taylor Swift factor, which has now reached a, a point of, of very much Can diminishing I returns. Can I? You know what? I know you've stu- you haven't done anything but complain about the Taylor Swift of it all. But it's not about Taylor Swift. What? It's about Aaron Rodgers. He, there was no way he was. It's like, oh, my God, the cameras are here. I'm going to get on yeah. TV so much. He had to he had to inject himself into this thing. Of course he did. Yeah. Um, and you understand that, uh, he's also false. I do not (laughs) just go sit at home, go to your darkness cave. Uh, I I don't, yeah, I I don't think these guys get to the place that they've gotten without enjoying, yeah, being in the spotlight and being able to perform in the spotlight. Well, screaming, respect my privacy and leave me alone and stop asking me so many Uh, questions. I don't know if it, yeah, well. Anyways, not yeah. this year, last year. He's, a lot of don't ask me questions last year. Yeah, unless you're Pat McAfee. Yes. Then ask and then me, ask me all the questions. Every single week. So, yeah, he was there. And I don't know if it was, like, by osmosis or maybe there was a conversation had between him and Zach Wilson. But I mentioned it. Like, Zach Wilson looked very capable in the second half until oh, a very uh, ill-timed fumble, mm-hmm. which basically cost him a game. I mean, combined with a very ticky-tack Holding call that extended a Chiefs drive, and you want to talk about doing the right things and being a smart football team. Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes understanding the situation yeah. and understanding that not scoring and and going down inside the five ends the football game. And the, the Chiefs are doing all the things that they had to do outside of that Week One game where they had no Chris Jones against a, a pretty legit Lions team. Mm-hmm. But again, like you you look at the way the bills have looked and it's the season is interminably long it it lasts forever and you look at the way that joe burrow has looked with a, a very compromised leg 
Also, I mean, you want to do comparisons apples to apples. Maybe it's not apples to apples, but hey, Patrick Mahomes had a pretty significant leg injury during the postseason last yep. year as well. High ankle sprain. It's not a calf. And he was able to, to power through it. And Joe Burrow has been severely hampered. It's hard not to look at the, the Bills and Chiefs on a, on a collision course right now, once again in the AFC. Yeah, I mean, you, I don't remember if it was Friday you posed it to me or it was sometime late last week, and it was, you know, you gave me five or six teams, and it was the field, the only one of those that I can sit here and even begin to put in that conversation is the Ravens, and I think that it's possible they get there. I just think that because of how banged up the Browns were this week, there's yeah. a little bit of discounting what they did, although yeah. it was a beat down that yeah. they put on put on Cleveland there but then they're coming off the loss to the Colts the week before they barely squeak by the bank like it is just a it's been a weird season for the Ravens but I think because of and again it's just quarterbacks that's what we end up talking about it's like I believe in Lamar yeah, do I believe in, in the postseason not to the extent I do Mahomes but mm-hmm. in the postseason why wouldn't I believe in him just as much as Josh Allen um I think the 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 postseason records are are not the same, especially considering one guy's an MVP and yeah, has yeah. Uh, had some notable uh, stubs at the toe for sure in, in the postseason. And yeah, say what you will about the, this bills team disappointing. And especially last year, mm-hmm. Josh Allen did all he could two years ago to get that team into a super bowl. And then 13 seconds left, his head coach decided not to squib kick or, you know, yeah. they couldn't keep Patrick <laughs> Mahomes from getting in field goal position. But yeah, I, you're right. I shouldn't discount nope. the Bengals in that division is tough, although the Steelers stank. Yep. And again, the Bengals. QB's dead now, apparently. Yeah. It, I, I mean, he, he. I think he might have been dead when he was alive. <laughs> I uh, also think that. Yeah, I, I, I'm not too keen on him. And yeah, Deshaun Watson, obviously, like that's, that's, that's a tough blow, even mm-hmm. considering the fact that he's not the same Texans. Totally. Deshaun Watson, he played his best game as a Brown last week, and that defense, though, is formidable. It's, it's just... My early takeaway is that it's Bills and Chiefs and any other conversation about somebody else emerging, even early in the season. And the Dolphins will be there, and they've got a yep. chance to, to to rise back up to the top totally. of the AFC Mountain. You know who doesn't? The Patriots. Yeah, no, they're dead. RIP. Uh, so the 35-point loss to the Cowboys yesterday. Yep. The worst of Bill Belichick's career. The 55 points the Patriots have scored this season. The fewest they've scored in the first four games of a season since 2000. Mac Jones clearly stinks. Not the answer there. So they made the playoffs in one of the three seasons without Tom Brady in the one playoff game they played. They suffered their most heinous mm-hmm. postseason defeat to the aforementioned Buffalo Bills. Hey, Bill Belichick, the, an all-time great head coach, and it it was certainly more a partnership than one guy. Um, more responsible than the other but one guy was clearly more responsible and that was tom brady and bill belichick can't create he can't make chicken salad out of what he's been handed here no he can't uh gee i wonder what you're hinting at he him being handed in in new england the, the when i look at that i think i and this is the problem with nfl coaches and especially the really accomplished ones they are and this isn't de facto belichick does make the player personnel decisions there it's just <laughs> It's Bill. We have this conversation about LeBron James all the time. Does GM LeBron James get in player LeBron James way? And if Bill Belichick wouldn't have been so in on Mac Jones, if they, you know, and this is yes, if he had another great quarterback, but I'm not, I would like to see him with not a Tom Brady, great Mm. quarterback, but a Kirk cousins, good quarterback. And Mac Jones clearly isn't even that. And that's the, that's the thing about this is I don't know how you can look at this and not question what it does to Belichick's resume or his legacy, but that this is a, for now conversation when, when we're talking about his legacy, well, 15, 20 years from now, it's like that will all get papered over. But yeah. in the right now, how can you not think about it? Oh, I'm, I'm thinking about it a I lot. I know. You asked me about it. <laughs> <laughs> I really am. And yeah, I, I I know those guys publicly, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, haven't talked about, hey, who's winning the divorce? And now that's stupid conversation. Even people that cover those two guys, you know, say that that's not relevant. I, I find it relevant. Of course. I, <laughs> one well, guy, it's all, it's all, the thing is, is that... I wonder 
how, and they would never come out and own it, but the stories they would feed the media, how different it would be if Brady hadn't got his, because Brady doesn't need to do anything. We all know he Mm -hmm. got the ring. Mm -hmm. If he would have just had success in Tampa and made it to a conference championship game. Instead of immediately winning a Super Bowl? Then I think you would have heard maybe the stories coming out from Brady's camp of, you know, maybe it was a little more him. Ego is a powerful thing. But because he doesn't need to say it, it's... he has the ring to prove it. That's the separator for them. That that's why I think you're just seeing the kind of play nice in public. Yeah. Uh, the Patriots pretty clearly need to go back into uh, searching for a quarterback mode. And I don't think Bailey Zappi's nope. the, the answer there either. Nope. I like what he was waived at yes. uh, a point during the preseason. Yeah, he was practice, on the practice squad, squad came back. Yeah. Like, all yeah. this. Yeah. It's, you know yeah. who they need? Nathan Rourke. I was going to say. Everybody needs Nathan Rourke. Honestly, it can't be worse. It cannot be worse. This is what's so frustrating about the Nathan Rourke situation. um, Because he was sold a bill of goods to go. And people who are maybe unfamiliar with Nathan Rourke's Canadian quarterback, Mm -hmm. uh, former CFL Most Outstanding Player of the Year from Oakville. Yes. um, I interviewed him about this in training camp this year. Played for the BC Lions. But yeah, he was obviously told. And he had maybe not his pick of the litter, but there was like close to double digit. NFL franchises who were bidding for his services as a, a potential backup this mm-hmm. season. He thought his best chance to make an NFL roster was in Jacksonville, and right out of the out of the gate, CJ Beathard had to do nothing apparently to earn so, that. So I talked to him about that because when we did the interview, that news had already come out, and you know, obviously, he's doing a little bit of PR answering with the questions, but he also did point out that he thought that that would just give him his best tape because the offense fit him well. And if you remember the preseason, yeah, that, that pretty one good pretty good piece of tape. I yeah. don't know uh, how much like a decision maker is like me <laughs> going, wow, that was great. But if I was the decision maker, I would have, uh, I would have signed him up. Patrick Mahomes said, yeah, that was great. Uh, right. Yeah. So, so that's pretty know. good. I don't know. The guy I, knows football. <laughs> I think so. It's just, I, I, I wish we could see him this season on one of these teams that, that doesn't have a quarterback. Just I'd to like know. To, I'd like to, too. And I just I quickly, I know we got to go. I want to yeah, just yeah. sneak this in as well. Uh, back to Zach Wilson. I know that feels like 50, 50 years ago that we yeah, talked yeah. about him, but I don't know if you had this feeling, but we've heard all the stories, but the team hates him and he's like the most tone deaf person of all time. But all I could think of as he was playing well in that game, and again, we know how it ended, was all the stuff that those guys hate about him. If he's good, it immediately oh, becomes gone. all of the things that they love about him. Of The quote of him being like, <laughs> do you feel like you need to apologize to the defense? Him being a good quarterback coming out and saying, no, why would I have to apologize? You know how good I am? The boys in the locker room, not on the defense, but in the offense, are like, yeah, that's right, Zach. This ain't our fault. Don't apologize for anything out here. All of the traits that yes. make him detestable as a terrible quarterback immediately <laughs> flip to, this guy's the man if he's just half decent. Yeah, he was more than half decent exactly. against a, like a pretty good yeah. Chiefs defense that was top five in the NFL in yards against per game. And that's, like, I mean, ill-timed fumble, I would say. But, yeah, you could see why a guy goes second overall and, and has, yeah, all the expectations that were placed on his shoulder. I don't know if that was just a blip. Um, Confidence, hell of a thing, man. Uh, we'll see if that, that maybe bleeds over into next week. All right, when we come back, get back into the Blue Jays. Um, and the difference in schedule they had compared to the Twins and whether, you know, Caleb Joseph is right. Are they battle-tested? We'll talk about that and more as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.